الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان الله هو الرزاق ذو القوه المتين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كن في الدنيا كانك غريب او عابر سبيل او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected brothers and elders mothers and sisters last night we had been discussing the hadith sharif of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam where sayyidina uqba bin amir radiyallahu anhu had asked the question man najat that what is the path to salvation and this too is a very great lesson for us that these were the things that concerned the sahaba radiyallahu anhu ajma'in and what they were very very anxious about and very enthusiastic to learn they were very concerned about how to gain salvation from this dunya and get safely to jannat that was their primary focus that was their concern that is what occupied their hearts and minds and therefore that is the question that they asked you find many many questions that the sahaba asked but those questions all revolve around how to gain the pleasure of allah taala how to progress in deen how to gain jannat how to gain the best of the highest stages of akhirat these were the kind of questions that they were generally asking so here also the sahabi hazrat aqba bin amir radiyallahu asked this question man najat and rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in a very very concise manner gave him three aspects can be imagine the question is of such a deep nature najat getting safely past all the fitnas of dunya all the trials and tribulations issues and reaching jannat safely not a small thing it's everything is in this if a person gained this najat he gained everything but rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam who was jawami'ul kalim he encompassed it all in three words three statements the first aspect that nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned was amsik alayka lisanak refrain your tongue withhold it refrain it and restrain it restrain your tongue from speaking things that it should not be speaking restrain it from saying things that it will regret later restrain it from getting in such conversation that will take the person away from allah taala will distance him from allah taala so that was the first message and the lesson amsik alayka lisanak Thereafter, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam gave the second prescription. The first prescription was amsik alayka lisanak, which we discussed with the fazl of Allah Taala in some detail yesterday. Allah Taala give us the tawfiq of reflecting upon this. There were many things discussed yesterday, but if the discussion gets left where it finished off, and neither does the speaker nor does the listener reflect upon it, then that was not. of any 
real benefit for the long term. For that moment, mashallah, if we had the intention of pleasing Allah Ta'ala, so we got the sawab, we got the reward of being part of a discussion of deen. And that definitely was a benefit. But the benefit of amal, that we lost out on. And the real thing is, is the amal thereafter. So while we should be increasing our knowledge, but knowledge is for the purpose of then implementing that knowledge. So Alhamdulillah, with the fuzzle of Allah Ta'ala, there were many things discussed with regard to controlling the tongue and restraining the tongue, not just talking without thinking, being respectful when speaking, especially when speaking to elders, speaking to parents, speaking to grandparents, speaking to seniors, the seniors might be our ustads, it might be our elders, our mashayikh, it might be some senior person in the community, it might be an elder family person. So always speaking with respect, even if sometimes people cross the line, sometimes parents err, sometimes parents might overstep the mark. Others, seniors sometimes might make a mistake. But that doesn't give anybody a license to speak disrespectfully. That too is part of the control of the tongue. That a person, despite the situation, the person is upset, the person is provoked, or the person was, uh, somebody crossed the line and overstepped the mark as a result now, somebody else got hurt. But that doesn't give the license to talk disrespectfully. Talking should always be with respect. It should always be in a way that uh, we don't compromise the other, we don't compromise the respect in any way. So this is the very important thing, that we don't compromise the respect in any manner. We always remain respectful and we always remain talking in a way that maintains people's position, does not compromise their dignity, their honor. So in any case, that was the first lesson, the lesson of Amsik Alayka Lisanak, control your tongue. Then the second lesson and the second prescription that Rasulullah gave for this najat and salvation, One meaning of this is, let your home be sufficient for you. In other words, if you don't have a genuine need, a genuine need of, of deen or from some genuine necessity of dunya, then rather be at home. If there's some deeny necessity, like for example, for males it is wajib to perform their salah with jama'ah in the masjid unless there is some valid reason for not going to the masjid. So now they have to leave the home for that. So they will leave the home. Likewise, other deeny activities, etc. However, there is a need for dunya now, somebody has to go and earn his living, he'll go and earn his living. But where there is no specific need to leave the home, then that is the message that is being given, let your house be sufficient for you. But there is another meaning in this as well. So this one aspect is, let your house be sufficient for you, then don't go out unnecessarily. Because outside, there will be a lot of fitnas. Now people want to pass time. So they want to pass time. So now what do we do? Pass time, go away. There is no need, but now to pass time. So they are going to the malls. 
Now to go past time in the mosque, what's the environment there? What kind of situation exists there? So by the time the person took that one walk around that mall and came, the iman has been severely battered. Because all kinds of fitna are colliding there. It's a combination of so many fitnas there. Now the person went, now one was he had to desperately go and get something sorted out. So he had to go and get something that he needed from that place only. It was available there. So now he has to take all his precautions, go with the zikr of Allah Ta'ala, with the gaze very low, and straight to the point of where the need is, and straight out. Now that is when there's a need also. And now when there's no need, the person is going to pass time, so they're going to get caught up in fitna. And then the iman is going to be severely damaged and battered. So likewise, other things, a person is leaving the home for just futile things, just entertaining oneself, but then what becomes the outcome? The person who has the true value of Iman, the person understands what happened, what damage took place. So that's one meaning that the person rather be at home, because you'll get saved from a lot of fitnas. Currently, there is this virus outside. So now they're saying stay at home. If you stay at home, now that's the theory, that if you stay at home, then you'll get saved from the virus. So now people are staying at home, and and obviously this is a regulation, so we have to abide by it. Something that is within the framework of being, we have to abide by it. It's a regulation now. So we won't contravene it. But what the lesson here that we need to take is, that people are abiding by it because they are also very concerned that they must not contract the virus. They must not get infected somewhere. So people are becoming hyper-conscious and they are being very, very cautious about everything. And if they get to know somebody has perhaps tested positive, now they are wanting to be miles away. They are very concerned and if they hear about in some part of town, somebody has contracted the virus, they don't go to that part of town also, don't pass that place as well, because it's very dangerous. So now for this physical virus, all these precautions, all these steps are taken to protect oneself. And nobody is saying that we should not take the precautions. Whatever reasonable precautions have to be taken, should be taken. But it is taken with such zeal that abiding by all the precautions that can be taken. So, if social distancing has been uh, emphasized, let alone social distancing, if they have a doubt that somebody probably has contracted the virus, then it's social probably abandoning, only abandoning, whatever the case is. So all this we do for the protection of our physical health. But when it comes to our Imani health, then all the viruses that are out there in the malls, at the beaches, on the beachfronts, at various other venues, where people, one walk down the road, and this is by their own confession, that one uh, walk down that road in that kind of environment, one walk through those areas, and their Iman has been severely affected. 
Suddenly the person says, I don't have a zeal to even perform my salah. I have to drag myself. My tilawat suddenly gets affected. Zikr that day gets missed out. All the effects of that virus, of the virus that attacked the iman. So there is a virus out there in terms of physical side that's attacking the physical immune system of people, etc. But what about the imani viruses? If we take so much of precautions and we are so concerned to protect ourselves and indeed our life is an amanat, we have to protect it. So whatever reasonable measures are to be taken to protect our life, we should do that. But at the same time, they should be even more concerned to the protection of our imani health. So now those places, those venues where that iman is going to be uh, vulnerable because of the situation there. There's going to be attacks on that iman because of the viruses, the viruses against the spiritual self. So now why don't we take the precautions there? Why don't we try to avoid such areas in that mixed gathering, in a family, in a family, in a family function, in a wedding, wherever, does anybody come out with his iman improved? Does he come out at the same level? That too is a lie if somebody says he comes out at the same level. In that mixed gathering, he's going to come out after that mixed gathering with his iman severely affected. But it's a different matter if the senses have died. Like a person now who has some paralysis, the leg or the hand, whatever, Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. So if somebody is even cutting one finger off too, he can't even make out any difference what's going on because there's no feeling left. So likewise, if the Imani senses have almost deadened, so now what not goes on, but we don't notice anything happen. It's not because nothing has happened, because our Imani senses have been damaged and almost dead. So in any case, this is one part of this Hadith Sharif, one, one meaning of this line of the Hadith Sharif, that well, let your home be sufficient for you, don't go out unnecessarily. Don't go out to places where your Iman is going to be attacked. Don't go out where your Haya is going to be affected. Don't go out to places where your Dini spirit is going to be dented. So stay at home. Because at home you are relatively safer. But then comes another part of it, that previously people were safe at home. But now, unfortunately, many of us have brought the fitna from outside, inside as well. So it is outside, and it is much more outside. So it is still relatively safer inside. But if a person has brought the fitnas of the outside indoors, then he is not safe indoors either. Now the person didn't go outdoors, but he's watching filth inside, getting involved with other sins and vices inside. So he still harmed himself. He hasn't done any good for himself. So the one meaning of this Hadith Sharif is to remain at home without necessity not to leave. But remaining at home in the correct way. Then together with that there's another part to this and another message and meaning as well. Well, Let your home be sufficient for you. Meaning who you have at home and what you have at home. Be content with it. That be content with the family Allah Ta'ala has blessed you with. Be content with the things Allah Ta'ala has blessed you with. 
And don't keep trying to look outside. What's the outside? You're all the time now craning one's neck to see what is out there. So now, when the, when the person has lost contentment, then there can never be happiness. When there's no contentment, then there can never ever be happiness. Happiness is in contentment alone. Contentment is that greatest wealth that a person can be blessed with. Inna al-ghina, ghina nafs as mentioned in the Hadith Sharif, that, that the true wealth is the wealth of the heart. The true wealth is the wealth of the heart, meaning that this wealth of happiness. Happiness is the true wealth. So the true wealth is the wealth of the heart. If the person has the wealth of the heart, then it doesn't matter what he has outside. He will be happy because he's got the wealth inside his heart. If happiness was anywhere else, for example, if happiness was in the hand, so the person who's wearing the most expensive watch, or somebody has the most valuable bangles, they'll be very happy because they happiness is in the hand and now they've got something worth maybe a few hundred thousand or maybe a million in the hand. That watch or that bangle is so valuable now. So they should be very happy. Or if happiness was in the fingers, then that finger which is ringed with a ring worth hundreds of thousands, diamond ring, very, very expensive, that person should be very, very happy, extremely happy. If happiness was in the eyes, then the person who is living in a very scenic place has the best scenery and he just looks out of his window, his balcony, then the most scenic scene is in front of him, or just breathtaking. If happiness was in the stomach, then the person who's had the most luxurious meal and all the delicacies that one can just dream of only, most people can only dream of, and this person has eaten all that, so he should have been very, very happy. And if happiness was in the fingertips, then the person who's counting money the whole day, his own money is counting the whole day, nowadays maybe not counting the money with his fingertips, but he's pressing the buttons on that counting machine, because there's so much to count, it can't be counted by hand anymore. So then, those fingers that are pressing those buttons on the counting, counting machine, then this person, if happiness was in those fingertips, he should have been extremely happy. But how often it is witnessed, and how often people express their own situation and own condition, that despite having all these things, not just one, that that the, we said happiness in the hand and this, and happiness in the eyes and this, they got all that. They got the most expensive things in their possessions. They drive the best vehicles. They have the most luxurious mansions in the most scenic places. And they don't know what to do with the wealth that they have. But how many a person has expressed his situation that he is totally devoid of any happiness, he is depressed, he doesn't know what to do in life, he is a very miserable person. Now, now, how, now, how come there is misery? How come there is this depression? How come there is this lack of happiness? 
despite having all these things. What we understand from this very clearly, that happiness is in neither of these things. Happiness is not in the hand. Happiness is not in the stomach. Happiness is not in the eyes. Happiness is not on the feet, what kind of shoes it's wearing. Happiness is not on the external self, what kind of branded labels the person is wearing. Happiness is in the heart. Now, if a person is wearing something, the person has got some luxuries, some comforts, which Allah Ta'ala has blessed, which have come in a halal way, but the person has happiness in the heart, then that person, mashallah, all this is also a great na'mat and a blessing from Allah Ta'ala, provided is used correctly, not abused, not used against the commands of Allah Ta'ala. But primarily, that happiness is in the heart, is not in any of these things. So now, what, what is in the heart? What resides in the heart? Obviously, the foundation of it is Iman. So that heart, firstly, if it has Iman, and the stronger the Iman, the greater will be the, will be the happiness. And the stronger the Iman, stronger the Iman, then one of the foremost qualities of Iman is Qana'at, contentment. So to the extent that a person is content, nothing will then affect him. If he is very content, he will not get affected by what he sees elsewhere. This is what contentment is all about. He is happy with what he has. In one hadith, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, Said to Abu Hurairah Be content with what Allah Ta'ala has blessed you with. You will be the wealthiest person. Otherwise, you will not have any real wealth. Wahab ibn Munabbah, very great personality, a, a great Mufassir. Uh, so he explains this by means of a little like example and anecdote. He says that one day, wealth and respect, wealth and respect, they both went out searching for a companion. So wealth and respect, now he's giving it as an example, like a story. So wealth and respect went out to look for a companion, for a friend. They wanted a sincere and a true friend. So in any case, when they went out, after a while they met with contentment. They met with qana'at, contentment. So when they found contentment, they were so happy with this friend, they stayed away by him forever. They said, we're not going anywhere else. They stayed away by contentment forever. What is the message, what is the lesson? That if a person wants respect and a person wants true wealth, then he's not going to find it anywhere else but in contentment. If the person is content, then he will not be fighting for position. He'll be happy with whatever his situation is, but that is what will bring him respect. And when he is lacking contentment, he is not uh, with this great wealth of contentment in his heart, now he'll be trying to always put himself above others, always trying to be the hero everywhere, and always wanting to be the boss, always being the one who would call the shots, and everybody must now take the direction from me alone, and you don't uh, give me my due regard, and don't give me that position and status that I think I'm deserving, then it's a major problem, but as a result, what, what's the outcome? Disrespect. People then say, this person, this person is a very, very, uh, is greedy for 
status and position. This person has this ego about himself. So the end result of that was disrespect. But the person is humble and is content. He is not trying to get himself in the limelight. He is not trying to push himself forward. He is not trying to grab attention. He is happy where he is. He is happy being unnoticed. He is happy if he is overlooked. That it saves me from the situation. I didn't have to get involved in it. So he's happy for that. Somebody didn't take his mashwara. They didn't ask his view and opinion. He was quite quite fine with it. He doesn't take offense on it. Because it doesn't matter to him. So a content person, he is the one who conducts himself in this way. But then what's the outcome? He gets respect. And he is very wealthy at heart. The true wealth. Wealth of the heart. Because wealth also went and it permanently took residence by contentment. So one is what it seems to be wealth outside, the material things, the branded labels, the glitter, glitter and glamour. But that is not wealth in reality. Wealth is inside the heart. Otherwise, how many person is dressed in the best brands and everything and got dozens of everything, shoes then is running into the dozens and if it is some clothing, some other garment, then is running into the dozens. Some abayas, then is running into the dozens. And some other apparel is running into the dozens. And there's just no end to it. But there's still no happiness with it. Because these things cannot give happiness. Happiness is in the heart. Material things are material things. It's outside, it's external, it's material. It can't give happiness. Happiness is in the heart. Is in the heart. Sometimes the person, for example, he has a problem with somebody, very very uh, severe issue between them, is animosity, hatred. Now recently there was one issue. Somebody asked something in, and in the process mentioned one thing that happened. So in order to try and bridge the gap, now there was an issue between two people. So the one person, in order to try, he was sincerely hoping that now some good will come out of it. So in order to try and bridge the gap, he sent a very expensive gift to the other party. That's an expensive gift. So now, somebody gives us an expensive gift, we feel very uh, grateful for it, and the uh, person is giving something in sincerity. So now it's an expensive gift, so now the person will appreciate it, value it. A gift is not for the sake of the value, a gift is for the sake of muhabbat. So if it's given with ikhlas, if it's a small item, if it is very, very low value item, but given with sincerity, with muhabbat, and without all the frills that go with it, in terms of that it must be like this, and must be like that, and being given because of some kind of societal pressure, that now this person has got a child, now if I go empty-handed, what will it look like? Or that person is getting married and if I go empty-handed, how it will seem? And so this is societal pressure. So there's no, that ikhlas is compromised in it. So rather don't give it at that time, give it at another, another time. Go without it and give it at another time. There'll be more ikhlas in it. So in any case, what the point is, that if that gift is given with muhabbat, then the value doesn't count. It's that gift, the muhabbat in it that counts. But nevertheless, the person gave something very expensive, so now you are going to be taking that into account as well, that this person went out of his way and he bought something so expensive. In any case, he gifted it, he sent it across to the other party. 
the other party sent it flying faster than it came. In other words, he actually felt offended. What are you, what do you think I am? Now can we see that if wealth and that expensive item, if that could have been a source of happiness, then it brought happiness between these two. But that just escalated the animosity. Though the one party was being sincere, but the other party was so consumed with that hatred and that animosity and that uh, 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 ill-feeling that even that gift became a problem. And he sent it faster than it came and with curses on top of it. So that if itself could have been happiness, then it would have brought happiness. But that itself doesn't have happiness. Happiness in the heart. Now that heart was so consumed with animosity and hatred that it blocked out any, any other thing, any other happiness. So, material things cannot give happiness. Material things, after all, material. And a person who becomes materialistic, so now he's got no contentment, so the outcome of that is he's going to become materialistic. And a materialistic person, he focuses on things. All the time, this, that, the other, what next, what better brand, I must have it first, and if a person cannot afford that brand, everybody's got it, so now he, meaning in that circle, that he wants to be in, so everybody's got it, so if he doesn't have it, he's going to be out of place. So then, well, if he can't have the real thing, if he can't afford the real thing, then rather just get a fake also. Get a fake one that just looks real, but get a fake one, because the whole thing is about image. When a person becomes materialistic, then the whole issue is about image. That I must present the right image, the image that will impress others. So now it is not about what is really going to benefit me, etc. No, the right image. Then, if I can't have the original, then even a fake will do. I rather fake it. But, I must have that same image that others are uh, projecting, I must project the same image as well. So I need to get the same label. I need to get the same brand. But now these things, today this was in style, this was uh, the in thing, and tomorrow is going to change, because how are they going to make money if it remains the same or same all the time? The same all the time. They have to make money, and in order to make that money, they have to keep making people using the advertising uh, methods and the marketing and the marketing methods to turn people's minds. People who have PhDs in psychology, there are many such people are employed by the advertising industry, by the marketing companies. People with psychology, PhDs in psychology. And they are being employed by people who are wanting to do marketing. What's, what's the link between these two? The link is very, very clear and very easy to understand. Because the whole thing in marketing is how to play with the mind and how to just turn people's thinking. So to make the person feel that I need this. Make the person feel that this, this is the in thing. This is really it. And if I don't have this, then I don't have any image. So now I must get this to get the image. So now they create a hype about things and that's how to turn the mind. This is psychology now. They're using that. How to play with the mind. 
and this profit of marketing, profit in big inverted commas, the profit of uh, this whole uh, materialistic world is this advertising industry. So now people get caught up with this. And now you just buy one thing after the other, one thing after the other. Now, now, now sometimes some people come and actually discuss this. You say, I got about three dozen pairs of shoes. And I got so many dozen of this. By how many times are you going to be able to wear those shoes? This person got three, four dozen pairs of shoes. If he wears one shoe for the whole week and then keeps it aside, he won't get a chance maybe to wear many of them twice in, for two weeks in a year. But now, he still not yet content. He still not yet, that's not enough for him. He still wants more. Still something else came, now he'll buy that also. So why this happens? That contentment is lacking. And when the contentment is lacking, there can be no peace. Now that materialistic person, when there's no contentment, the person becomes materialistic. And the materialistic person is fixed, focused on things. And things, things are going to get old, things are going to scratch, things are going to crack, things are going to break. But now the heart is in all these things. So as the thing scratches, the heart scratches. As the thing cracks, the heart cracks. And something breaks, the heart breaks. And if it goes old, then the heart is now in another mood. So now, there's constant misery because of the lack of contentment. And if the person is content, so if everything else is being sold there and a new thing came out, so what? What I got is good enough. It's still serving my purpose well enough. I don't have any need for something else. If there was a need, it's a different matter. Contentment doesn't mean that a person should not have any comfort, any luxury, provided that it is being acquired with halal wealth, which Allah has blessed a person with halal wealth, is being acquired in with halal wealth. Number two, it's not being acquired just to keep up with others. Some standard somebody else created or because somebody else now has got it so I too have, should have it. If that is the intention then this now goes out of the line of permissibility because now it is showing off. And showing off is not permissible. It's a sin. So it is being purchased with halal wealth and then together with the halal wealth it is uh, not in order to create an image or to impress others. And at the same time, it is not entailing any wastage. Often there is wastage. For example, which has become a very, very common thing in weddings, etc. People talk about the deco. The deco cost 100,000, 50,000, 25,000 was the flowers. And after that, after that one hour, two hours, three hours, then what? All torn down and dumped and thrown. It was just to create an image. And how many people could have been fed with that? person says, no, I gave. But how many more people could have been fed with this? And what you gave, that was eaten in one day. What about the next day those people were starving? You could have earned your akhirat with this. So that is gone beyond the line of permissibility. All these things that are going to be torn down and thrown away just to create an image. Just to, this is the materialistic side of it. That there must be this image. All these themes and theme weddings and what not goes on and thousands and thousands get spent in just creating that so-called theme. But what's the end result of all this? And Allah forbid what halat we are experiencing 
this is the outcome of this kind of wastage. That now the na'mas of Allah Ta'ala are withheld. And people are in dire circumstances and constraints. So the wealth and the true wealth and the real wealth is this wealth of contentment. And to the extent that the person has developed this contentment, then he will be truly happy. And if the focus is on things, then things cannot give happiness. There was one article which which some Western writer, actually a, it's from a book, some, some author had written a book, The High Price of Materialism, that was the title of the book. So there was an article that quoted something from there, and I have that in front of me, uh, where the person writes about that there is extensive research. Now many people only understand something if some research has been presented to them, some statistics is presented to them. Whereas for us, we don't need to go into the details of research and so on, when something has been given to us already in the Qur'an Sharif, in the Ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Nabi Islam finished spelling to, out to us, Inna al-ghina ghina nafs that the true wealth is the wealth of the heart. Now if the heart is wealthy, the heart is happy. And if the heart is happy, then everything is fine. person has no issue. But nevertheless, some people will only accept if there is some research for, research for them. So now this is a Western writer, and he's saying that there have been extensive studies that were conducted by psychologists. And after these extensive studies that they conducted, they came to a conclusion that people who focus on wealth, on positions, on image, on fame, now this is their focus. Personally, all the time concerned now, what image I'm giving, and I should grab some attention, and I must have this, and I must increase that wealth, and chasing after that wealth, so, they think that the research has found and the studies that they conducted found that people who are focused on these things, on wealth, on positions, on image, on fame, and the kind of things of this nature, they found them that generally they suffer the following issues which they now itemize. They suffer these things far more than those who don't have this focus on things. Now, sometimes for some other reason, somebody else can also have these conditions, some of it, but they found that the person who is materialistic, who has this focus on things, on fame, on image, etc., image, etc., they are far more affected by these things than others. Now, what they have found, what are those issues? So now they itemized it. Number one, low psychological well-being. Now, Nabi Salaam already told us, إِنَّ الْغِنَى غِنَى nafs. The true wealth is the wealth of the heart. Now that person who doesn't have that wealth of the heart, this is going to be his outcome, low psychological well-being. Then increased feelings of anger. Increased feelings of anger. Because the person now, often this is not realized where it's stemming from. Now one is, the Maulana Sahib is going to say it from the member, well this Bichara Maulisab doesn't know much, so now he's going to say these things. But now these are psychologists that are coming up with their research. And this is in a book. The title is also mentioned here, High Price of Materialism, on page 9, on page nine, on page nine to 17. Mm. 
So I think increased feelings of anger. Now why increased feelings of anger? Because there's no contentment. The person is all the time feeling miserable. But why I don't have this? Why I didn't go there? Why I don't manage to have that? Now all the time this misery starts creating ill feeling towards those who have it. So jealousy. And then that gives rise to anger. And now the person starts uh, getting consumed by his own anger. So, this is the second thing mentions that uh, increased feelings of anger. Then number three, difficulties with attention, which they call ADD. So this difficulties with attention, this too is linked. It might have other reasons as well, but very much linked to materialism. Then prone to impulsive behavior. A person who is fixed on these things, he may have it, may not have it, but his mind is fixed to it. So now very impulsive behavior. Gets affected by things, gets affected by things very quickly and does things by impulse now. So very impulsive behavior. Then significantly higher levels of depression and anxiety. Significantly higher levels of depression and anxiety. High levels of distress. Feelings of emptiness. Now, again coming to the Hadith Sharif. The true wealth is the wealth of the heart. So if the heart doesn't have this contentment, so the heart is empty of wealth. So now they're writing here, feelings of emptiness. Now, after all the research, they're saying they went to research it. And they undertook the very extensive studies. Now that extensive studies might have cost them a fortune. And they came to a conclusion that a person who is materialistic will have feelings of emptiness. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told it to us in one line, Inna al-ghina ghina nafs The true wealth is the wealth of the heart. Now if the heart is devoid of this wealth, it's going to be empty. So now the person is going to feel that emptiness. Now these are all big, big words, long, long words, but it all comes down to only one thing. And that one thing has been given to us centuries ago by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa if only we will understand that we don't need to look anywhere else we only need to look at the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and look at what Allah Ta'ala has given us in the Quran Sharif and everything is there for us but we just need to get it from the people who have understood it and can pass it on to us but now we want to go and search, it, search for it elsewhere we find things sometimes which are far off the mark that is the correct path is Highlighted for us in the Quran and Sunnah. So they say feelings of emptiness, then insecurity, lack of generosity. Because the person is not content. So now the person who is not content always wants more. So now that generosity is the opposite of that. The person wants more now, if he's going to part with something, then what's going to be the case? So the lack of generosity. Consumed by envy. Whatever he sees others having, he is envious over it. Because he doesn't have it. But what he has also, then he loses the value of that, the appreciation of that. He loses the, the benefit and the enjoyment of that too because he's miserable all the time. He's miserable about seeing what others have. He doesn't enjoy even what he has. So this is the end result of this materialism consumed by envy. And then finally they say, and are overall less satisfied with life than those who are not materialistic. Now, all this long story that was given here, 
All this and far more, a whole ocean more is in that one line. Inna al-ghina ghina nafs Inna al-ghina ghina nafs Warda bima qasam Allahu lak takun aghna nas Nabi Wasallam said, be content with what Allah Ta'ala has blessed you with. You will be the wealthiest person. You won't need anything else. You will be the wealthiest person. So this is the true wealth. This is the wealth that we have to aspire for. The things, things, they don't have anything to give us. What we need, what is required, it gives us some physical comfort, by all means, but not for the image. Not so that we could have that label standing out somewhere. Or adjust that garment in such a way so that the label is very, very visible. And if it's not the real thing, then get a fake one also. One person mentioned that he had gone for Umrah, so his wife had already found out all the details. So she said, no, we need to go to a certain place, there's a certain place there, there's a, a tailor there. Why do we have to go to a certain place? She says, no, well, that abaya is cheap there. So well, the same abaya will get it here also, and uh, maybe even cheaper too. He says, no, no, that place is cheap too, but that person can embroider that label. The label of what? Of the expensive one. When I buy the cheap thing, but it must have the label of the expensive one. So without this label, if that label is not there, then it's going to be a problem. So now going to the specific tailor to buy the cheap abaya, and in order to get that expensive label name embroidered on it, so it will look like the original branded garment. Now, is this not purely that same materialistic mindset? So this is that materialism that then creates so much of misery in a person and the gratitude and the the, the gratitude that we should be having for the ni'mats of Allah Ta'ala, even that gets lost and the person gets consumed by this and life just goes on. Now this is part of the meaning of this Hadith Sharif be content with what Allah Ta'ala has blessed you. In the sense of the people Allah Ta'ala has put you along with and the things Allah Ta'ala has blessed you with. Be content with it. Don't have a materialistic outlook. Be content and aspire for Jannat. Then Allah Ta'ala has blessed somebody with halal wealth and they can afford something better to eat, something better to wear, not for the image but something better in terms of better quality and more comfortable by all means, provided it is within the limits of shariat, within the requirements of haya and modesty and shame, and something that the person would live more comfortably with, a more comfortable house, drive a better car, more comfortable, but not for the image. Not for the image. If it's for the image, like in the Hadith Sharif, Rasulullah Wasallam says, مَنْ لَبِسَ لِبَاسَ شُهْرَةٍ the person who wears any clothing in order to create an image, to show off, to attract the attention of people. So now, if I wear this, then people must take note what I wore. Or, it mustn't be that they say that this person wore this in the last function now, she came again with the same thing here. So now I'm doing it for people now. So, it's not being done for the sake of any image. So if it is being done for the image, Nabi Salaam says, Man labisa libasa shuhratin 
being materialistic doesn't mean that a person uh, or rather being content doesn't mean that a person must not have any possessions, any luxuries but that's not his focus of life if he has something and he is, mashallah, it's fine, it's serving his purpose so something new came, so what? he doesn't have to have it he's got what he's got and that's comfortable enough that new thing might have some small little cosmetic changes and for that there will be another fortune that he will pay. So there is no real benefit in changing what he has. He will keep it. So this is that very important wealth. The wealth of contentment. Qana'at. So this is that path to najat. Coming back to the Hadith Sharif. That Rasulullah was asked the question. Man najat. Now we can see how deep this is. That the first part of the Hadith Sharif. The answer was. Amlik alayka lisanak or amsik alayka lisanak restrain your tongue person who has gained control of that tongue he is safe from so many things so many problems of dunya and problems of akhirat as well and the person who is content then subhanallah what can we say what a wealth he has Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq inshallah we will try and complete this tomorrow Allah ta'ala grant us this true wealth of contentment Allah ta'ala make us is true and obedient servants wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillah rabbil alamin la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala alayhi wa ala alihi wa وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا يا رب صل وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جز الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله لا إله إلا الله
ولا حاجة هي لك رضا إلا قضيتها ويسرتها يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى واجعل آخرتنا خيرا من الأولى اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرض المسلمين اللهم ارحم موتانا وموت المسلمين ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخذنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم ارحم أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم تجاوز عن أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم فرج الكرب عن أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد